Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Bet you didn't expect that intro. Got to keep you all on your toes. Threw you a curveball. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the first installment of Is the Stove Hot? The off-season Chaos Ball installment. Uh, and is the stove hot? <laughs> no. Not really. I mean, we did literally just start the off-season. Um, and the baseball off-season, as everyone knows, is historically long and historically very boring. Uh, especially compared to, let's say, the NBA uh, off-season or free agency window, where free agency opens and every single person signs immediately. Uh, which would be sick. Baseball should do something about that. They should just not start free agency till like February. Let everyone negotiate. Let all the tampering happen, and then all at like February first, bam, everyone signs. That'd be so so lit. But they won't do that because you know it'd be lame. Uh, but let's let's just get into it. What I'm going to do in this episode and in these installments, just talk about general news. Uh, this one's going to be less free agency heavy at the start. I'm going to go over some MLB awards that are happening. Um, the offseason outlook for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, any other general MLB news? A couple guys have signed. Qualifying offers were either accepted or declined. Um, and then there's lots of free agency lists with with predictions, and I think I'm going to go over Fangraph's 2022 Top 50 Free Agents list in this episode. Maybe I'll get through it all. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Who knows? I hope y'all have been checking out my blog. Uh, I started a blog, if you don't know. If you've seen on Twitter, I'm between not tier lists of free agents uh, as I do that, I will continue to make blog posts, and then that is somewhere where I will put the crazy things that happen in my brain onto a page. Uh, and I really do enjoy writing silly, silly things about baseball and sports in general. So I'm going to continue putting some fun little, short little blog posts on there um, for the foreseeable future. So keep looking out for that. It's uh, the Chaos Ball blog. There's a link on my Twitter. I don't yet have a domain, but. It's a Wix site, Chaos Ball blog. You should be able to find it. Uh, but navigate to my Twitter if you want to go look at some tier lists that are on there right now. I just uploaded the first baseman uh, quite literally 10 minutes ago. Uh, but that will host many different things I have planned for the future. So keep on the lookout for that. Uh, and that is all the housekeeping I have to do. So thanks, y'all, for tuning in. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Wait, just kidding. Imagine a three-minute pod. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Shall we, lads? The MLB Awards. Also, um, MLB Awards. I don't just do all the awards in one night and have it before the fucking playoffs, please. Like, why do you do it like this? It takes all the air out of everything. Just announce. Just have an award night. Have it be a big thing. Like, that'd be really cool and fun. But instead, they do this shit. And they roll it out really slow. And, like, way after the World Series is over. So nobody gives a shit about baseball. Unless you're a really baseball fan. 
like do this prior to the World Series so people are still somewhat tuned into what is happening in baseball if you're a casual fan. <sighs> I'm going to announce my candidacy for MLB commissioner in the next year, and I hope everyone who listens to this show will support me because I think I could do the job better than Rob Manfred, although the owners would hate me, and that's an issue. Uh, but we can always overcome that issue. But let's just get into it. Really short and sweet. The Hank Aaron Awards. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt was crowned the NL Hank Aaron Award. Congratulations to Paul Goldschmidt. Absolutely raked at the plate. And then, no surprise, Aaron Judge won the AL Hank Aaron Award. So, not surprising. Either of these won. Uh, fantastic years for both. Uh, the Roberto Clemente Award. Justin Turner was named the winner of this award. Shout out to Justin Turner. I know he does a lot of really, really good work in LA and is just generally a very nice guy uh, for agents this offseason. So you want some good vibes to your clubhouse. Justin Turner is available. Uh, and I believe I tier Justin Turner as an A tier player. So think about that, huh? The Rookie of the Year Awards. Our man, our man, Julio Rodriguez has won. Folks, uh, felt like he was a shoe-in for this award. Felt like the narrative was very much, it was his. Um, he did lead all rookies in home runs. Um, both Baseball Reference and Fangraph's War, although I think him and Adley were tied in Fangraph's War, if I remember correctly. Um, he led rookies in OPS, WRC+, and total bases. He joined Mike Trout as the only players in the AL or NL history with at least 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and an 800 OPS in their rookie season. All-time rookie year from our man, Julio. Um, like I said, the narrative is very much this award was his to lose, and he got all but one first-place vote, except for one writer who uh, suspiciously writes for the Blue Jays, voted for Adley. Uh, his reasoning was valid. I tweeted about it. I um, Honestly, I'm somewhat surprised that Adley didn't get a couple more first place votes. I mean, he, I think if he played the whole year, he might've won the award. He had a fantastic year. And I generally do agree with what uh, that one writer was saying his reasoning for um, is because the amount of work he did with the pitching staff and elevating the pitching staff is something that's hard to quantify into a stat um, and he's just a rookie catcher who put up really good offensive numbers, but also, again, worked really well with the pitching staff and the defense and, and everything, and that's pretty astounding. You don't really see rookie catchers do that too often, so Adley's really special, but I'm glad Julio won the award. Uh, it's one more thing to knock off the list in his illustrious one-year career already, um, and like I tweeted, MVP up next. MVP is up next for my man, I think. he. I mean, that's what he's got his sights set for, obviously. And I think he'll be on the MVP ballot. I think he'll... I think they vote for 10 guys or 10, I think. Uh, and he'll get some votes in there, for sure, I think. Because um, he got a Silver Slugger Award as well in the outfield, yeah, which is sick. Uh, and Kevin Pillar got a 10th place MVP vote once. So anything's really possible, you know. Uh, the NL Rookie of the Year, Michael Harris, the second, junior, the second. Interesting. 
um, has won that award over his teammate, Spencer Strider, who I... Listen, I, I don't know who I would have voted for. Both had fantastic years. I think they gave it to Harris because he plays a premium position in center field. He had a fantastic year at the plate. Great year on the bases. Great year in the field as well. He played a lot of games. And I think Strider, um, if he threw more innings, I think they maybe would have given it to him because he had a fantastic uh, year as well. Maybe I vote for Strider because his huge legs and his mustache. But Michael Harris, also a really cool dude. Uh, so not really upset at the winner of that, and it's not really super surprising. So congratulations to him and the Braves, who have uh, who have the one and two guys in the rookie of the year voting. <laughs> um, and then the manager of the year awards were just announced tonight. Buck Walter was just announced as the NL winner, which is very well-deserved. I honestly think it should be Dave Roberts. They won like 113 games or something like that, um, and it's a regular season award. But whatever, Buck did good work with the Mets. It's just um, they squandered that lead completely to the Braves in the last couple months of the season, so I don't know. Even Snicker, I think, should have won over him. Who cares? Manager of the Year is just... Honestly, kind of a pointless award. I don't think anyone ever knows the basis of what they're voting on. Like, is it who did the best with what they had? Who was just the best manager? How can you even quantify who the best manager was? Um, and that's my segue into Tito Francona getting announced as the AO Manager of the Year. I didn't think Scott would win. I wanted him to win because it'd be cool. Um, but I didn't think so because... If I had a vote, bias, I would vote for Scott because I love him and he's Seattle's dad. But if I was trying to be an impartial baseball writer, I probably would have voted for Frank Conner or Hyde over Scott because Scott probably exceeded expectations a little bit, but the the narrative coming into the season was that the Mariners were probably going to be a playoff team. Like They were vying for the wild card. Either they were going to make the wild card and go to the playoffs like we did, or, like, contend for it. Um, and that's exactly what we did. Um, and it's something to be said, like, winning that many close games. I think Scott's a great manager, especially a great man manager. But, like, the Guardians and the Orioles both completely outplayed their projections this year. And the managing definitely went a long way into doing that. And I don't think anyone will uh, debate you when you say Terry Francona is a really, really good manager. He's proved it for how many years now? So whatever. Scott's the manager of the year in my heart. So that's the awards so far. Uh, the MVP awards, who I think the writers will choose for AL MVP is Aaron Judge. I think I'd vote for Aaron Judge. The narrative is Aaron Judge. Um, one of the greatest offensive seasons ever, uh, especially one of the like the best offensive season we've ever seen since Barry Bonds. Um, and he plays plus defense in the outfield, which is astounding. Uh, Jordan had a great year. Honestly, I think Altuve had a better year than him, but whatever. Shohei Otani also will probably take second and get some first place votes. I think you can certainly make a case for Shohei being the MVP, considering he was elite at hitting and batting, which provided... Um, you know, value to a team that was terrible. I don't really care about the wins of a team for MVP in baseball, but I get it there and judge. He deserves it. He had a decent year, you know. It was all right. 
National League MVP. This one's a spicy one. Because Paul Goldschmidt was the shoe-in for, I don't know, 75% of the season. Then he slumped a little bit at the end of the year. Uh, Nolan Arenado caught up to him. Manny Machado caught up to him a little bit. I think this is comfortably a Cardinals award. I think Manny Machado will have a very admirable third place, and he had a great year. Um, I would give this award to Goldschmidt because he's gotten so close so many times. He's been in the top three, top five a lot. And I just don't think casual fans really know how good of a player Paul Goldschmidt's been the past six, seven seasons. Um, he had, can, he had probably his best offensive year ever this year. And he's consistently been one of the best defensive first basemen of his era, uh, which I don't think a lot of people know. But I think the voters are going to give this to Arenado. Uh, and deservedly so. Arenado, fantastic year. Still one of the best defenders in the league. He won the Platinum Glove again. Um, and is one of the most electric third base defenders ever. Um, and I think they'll give it to him. But I would give it to Paul Goldschmidt because he deserves it after all these years. The American League Cy Young Award. Alec Manoa is on here. I didn't even realize. Well, how is Shohei not the other nominee after Verlander and Cease? All right, whatever. Neither of them would win. Shohei had a fantastic year, but Verlander is definitely going to win this award. I would vote for Dylan Cease. Um, have you seen the guy's mustache? Way better than Verlander's facial hair. I'll say it. Um, and honestly, Dylan sees there's a case to be made. I think Verlander will win, and he like he should win. He probably had the best year, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna vote for Dylan sees because um, fuck him, and I really like Dylan sees National League Cy Young Award. Julio Urias, Max Freed, and Sandy Alcantara. Thanks for coming out, Freed and Urias. Alcantara is walking away with this one. He should be unanimous. Um, he pitched like six complete games this year, which is unheard of in this era. Uh, I think he had like over 200 innings, over 200 strikeouts. He was freaking absurd and really, really fun to watch. Probably the pitcher I had the most fun watching this year because he throws a hundred mile an hour, uh, sinker with crazy movement and like a 93 mile an hour changeup. Uh, it's pretty demon like watching him pitch and I would love to stand at the plate and just have him throw the pitches at me just to see what they look like. Cause it would, I, I don't know. I think you take, you, you take Sandy Alcantara and you can apply this to a lot of guys now with the movement and velocity. You take him, you plop him in the 1930s in baseball and they they will put him in jail. They will arrest him on the spot. They'll see one pitch and be like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Get out straight to jail. Uh, but he'll walk away with that award, and deservedly so. That's very cool for him. So that's it for the awards. The All-MLB has yet to be announced. I'm intrigued for that. I think, thank God the MLB finally started doing All-MLB like the NBA does All-NBA, because I think that's way more of an indicator of a great year than All-Star for a lot of reasons I just don't want to get into right now. But I'm intrigued for that. I'm intrigued to see if Julio um, wins all MLB, because I think we had, I think of the Mariners, um, Cal Raleigh was a finalist, Julio is a finalist, Eugenio was a finalist, and uh, Luis Castillo obviously was a finalist, uh, and Andres Munoz, 
and Munoz, yes. So, hopefully, we get a couple. That'd be cool. It'd be crazy if the dumper won all MLB catcher. That would be ridiculous. I mean, if the MLB had most improved, I think he's a shoe-in for that award. But that's a conversation for another day. So that about wraps it up for the award show. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff here with the awards. Uh, let's move on to the qualifying offer candidates. Uh, so the qualifying offer, for those of you who don't know, um, it, it's like the average of salaries, so your position teams can offer. Guys get eligible for a qualifying offer. They can tender them. Uh, and it's a one-year deal. It's kind of like a franchise tag in football a little bit. It's kind of, it's a little different with how it's structured, but that's a good, decent comparison. Um, there were 12 players or 14 players who were tendered the qualifying offer and only two of them accepted. Um, those two guys were Martin Perez of the Rangers had a fantastic year this year. And I was Really hoping uh, he'd hit the market and the Mariners would try to sign him, but he's going back to the Rangers. And then the Giants outfielder, Jock Peterson, has accepted the qualifying offer as well. And they're the only ones to accept that. Uh, and the offer is one year $19.65 million for 2023. And so if you don't accept the qualifying offer, uh, they just hit free agency. So, and uh, those who don't accept, um, when or if, usually all of them get signed, but uh, when they get signed by another team, uh, that old team who they deny the qualifying offer from receives a draft pick in compensation, and it comes in the form of a, a compensatory draft pick, which happens a couple times throughout the MLB draft. And it can be a higher compensatory draft pick if you're in the luxury tax or if you're not in the luxury tax. I'm not going to talk about the draft right now or that structure of picks because it's confusing as hell. Like, I understand it generally, uh, and I could probably write it out and talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about it right now because you can get yourself in a loop of confusion <laughs> doing that. So the 12 guys who declined the qualifying offer come with no surprise. Dansby Swanson... Wilson Contreras, Trey Turner, Carlos Rodon, Chris Bassett, Jacob deGrom, Brandon Nemo, Xander Bogarts, and Nathan Eovaldi. Oh, and um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but Aaron Judge, uh, he also declined. Um, oh, yeah, and, uh, and Tyler Anderson and Anthony Rizzo also declined their qualifying offers, but then just got signed today which I was going to talk about, but that leads me perfectly into the segue. Tyler Anderson signs with the Angels, three years, $39 million, which, great signing for the Angels. Uh, Anderson had a really good year last year, and I was kind of <clears throat> upset that the Mariners didn't end up re-signing him, but that's a good signing for the Angels, who had a good pitching rotation last year. Like, the Angels' starters were, like, top, like sixth or seventh, I think, in starter ERA last year, which obviously isn't the only stat you should look at, but they drastically improved their pitching last year than over the couple of years. Shohei's a huge part of that, but now Tyler Anderson in the rotation. Like, clearly they're trying to win, but they're a clown organization who will not, and they'll waste 
the primes of two of the greatest players we've ever seen in this generation. So I don't have any more to say about that. Um, Anthony Rizzo just re-signed with the Yankees, and it is really funny. I was writing my tier list reasoning on my blog, right? And I was like, oh, Anthony Rizzo, great year. He needs to get paid because he hasn't gotten paid very much in his career, only like $75 million, but he's played 11 years and a great career. Like, that's not very much money. Uh, and he really, really enjoyed hitting at Yankee Stadium last year. Like, good Lord. I was like, if there's any place that maximizes his value, it's that that ballpark. And uh, he realized it probably, team obviously realized it, like he had to be dumb not to. Uh, and they signed him two years, thirty-four million. I think there's a, a extra five million like option on the third year or something. So good for Rizzo. Good situation for him. He seemed like he liked New York, and obviously he loves hitting in that ballpark. So go off, Yankees. I suggested they re-sign him in my blog, and then they did it. It's crazy. The Yankees read my blog, uh, and then the notable players who did not receive a qualifying offer, Michael Brantley of the Astros, the Dodgers, Andrew Heaney and Clinton Kershaw, the Mets, Taiwan Walker, the Padres, Mike Clevenger and Sean Manaya, the Red Sox, Jumbo Dong Martinez and Michael Walker, and the Yankees, Jameson Tyone. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's get into the meat of the episode now, shall we? And looking at the time... No idea if I'm going to get through all top 50 of these free agents. Maybe I'll have to do the last half in another episode next week or something. But uh, I am first going to look at the off-season wish list for the Mariners that I have set out. The number one priority is the middle infield. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. The middle infield is... They didn't fully address it last year, and I was kind of mad. Um, and I don't care if they tried. You try and fail, it's the same as not trying. Like, come on, dude. You, you traded for Adam Frazier and started him at second base. That was your first problem. Uh, so middle infield. And it's great that there are four very good shortstops and some other decent middle infield guys that they could end up signing. I'm sure the Mariners will be in on all of the top shortstops, they'd be dumb not to. They have to land one of them, man. They they have to land one of them. And who do I think it's going to be? It's going to be Xander Bogarts. Uh, I think it's going to be Xander or Dansby. Uh, but I think I think Dansby stays with the Braves, to be honest with you. Um, and the reason I think it's going to be Xander, uh, I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Red Sox the way they treated him this year. And I think Trey Turner has talked about wanting to stay on the East Coast, that time zone, because I think he lives in Florida and has kids, if I'm not not mistaken. So I think he wants to stay over there for that reason. So I think he's going to sign with the Phillies. And I think Carlos Correa is, is wanting to sign with a big market team uh, and stay over there on the East Coast as well. And that's just a hunch. There's nothing that I know. Um, and it'd be awesome if we signed Carlos Correa. Um, and I think they should definitely try, but my prediction is he signs with the Yankees. 
so that leaves Xander and Dansby. I think Dansby signs with the Braves. I think we should throw the kitchen sink at Xander Bogarts, man. He's been criminally underrated for five years now. One of the best hitters in baseball with good defense at a premium position. Uh, and even if you really are sticking with JP at short, you can put him at second. I I just... <laughs> DePoto came out and said JP is our shortstop. And I like JP. JP's fine. JP's a fine player. And we re-signed him to a long-term deal. And it's pretty team-friendly in terms of money. And I'd, I mean, he's the heart and soul of our team. I'm not saying get rid of JP. I'm saying maybe move him to second and have Xander play short. Maybe sign a couple middle infielders and JP doesn't have to start every day. I I don't know. But Xander should be the number one guy on this list, man. Xander's really good. And I would... I would be... I would be so... So excited if we sign Xander Bogarts, dude. He'd fit on this team so well, too. Because he's certified very cool. So I think it'd be a perfect signing. Um, that's the number one man on my wish list. I think Colton Wong would be a fine signing as well. I mean, there's a... I tiered the second baseman. There's a couple different... Different options for us to look into there. Um, but obviously the first priority will be... Those shortstops... And the fir- it, it might be like the Luis Castillo thing at the deadline where Jerry kind of set the market for pitchers at the deadline. I, the first guy who signs is going to set the market. And I know I'll go into it later on fan graphs, um, but they have projections of the contracts, and all these guys are getting $30 million a year plus probably. The years and the structure is where I don't know what's going to happen. Um and the first guy who signs will probably set the tone for the next three of the the four main main boys who are signing. Because after that, it's like... <laughs> uh, after that, it's like you have Jose Iglesias, Eledimus Diaz, Elvis Andrews, Ahir Adrianza. Like, it gets a little ugly after that. So... <laughs> you go for those first guys. And I would love if the Mariners try to sign. If they sign Trey Turner, I just don't think he's coming to the West Coast. Um, I just think he wants to be closer to Florida where he lives. So that's my middle infield wish list. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I There's a lot of pressure on, the, on, on Jerry by the fans. And there should be to sign another couple guys to help this team win. Um, Gene Segura is available for second base. Uh, Colton Wong. I mean, Adam Frazier's out there again if they want to re-sign him. I wouldn't be averse to re-signing Adam Frazier. You just can't do what you did this year. He has to be a utility guy. He can't be your everyday second baseman if you want to be a serious winning franchise. Um, but I wouldn't hate Colton Wong or Gene Segura there. Um... Donovan Solano, Cesar Hernandez, like these are like these guys are decent, but I would I would say those are more bench depth fellas. Uh, and then there's also I mean there's a lot of potential trades that could be made as well. Like Jerry doesn't have to um, completely give up if he doesn't get those top one of those top shortstops. There's lots of trades to happen. 
Um, and the Mariners, apparently, according to John Morosi, who came out today, they're open to trading with multiple teams, which isn't surprising. Jerry calls every team probing for a trade every single day, probably. he's Honestly, he's he has a problem. He has a problem with trades. He he's like, well, if he doesn't do a trade in a in a couple couple weeks, he's gonna be itching like an addict. Uh, but he's open to move Jesse Winker and either Chris Flex or Marco Gonzalez in a trade. So that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe if there's no trade to be made by the next podcast, I'll have to look at some of the guys you could trade for. Uh, one of them being Brian Reynolds. I know the Pirates said they didn't want to trade Brian Reynolds, but Jerry comes at him with a good enough offer. Bada bing, bada boom. Brian Reynolds is a Mariner. That would be beautiful. But I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, let's move on to number two in my offseason wish list. And no, it's not corner outfield. That's number three. Number two is a lefty bullpen arm. We need it, man. Matthew Boyd is good. Listen, I like Matthew Boyd. But going into last year, with the only really lefty arm in your bullpen is Anthony Mishowitz, was inadvisable, to say the least. And, I mean, you have Eric Swanson, who is a really good pitcher against lefties, even though he's a right-handed pitcher. I just, they need another guy. And the guy I wanted them to trade for at the deadline, instead they got Matty Boyd, which again, not mad, but is Andrew Chafin. Same team as Matty Boyd, the Tigers. Andrew Chafin, I I, I think will move this offseason. Uh, and I want the Mariners to trade for him. Uh, I tweeted that Brooks Raley of the, of the Rays is a future Mariner. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's come to fruition. Seems like the Rays are holding on to him, but... Anyone on that Rays team could be traded to the Mariners at a moment's notice and vice versa because the Rays are like that consistent dealer for Jerry. You know, he can always hit them up and they're always available. They always have deals for him. And it's like, oh man, I haven't made a deal in a while. Better make a trade with the Rays. Just trying to get in the mind of Jerry DePoto. But that's how that works. Um, Lefty bullpen arms, man. I mean... There are a lot of pitchers available. A lot of relief pitchers available. Um, stay away from Rollis Chapman, please. But, like, Taylor Rogers is a free agent. Uh, I think Brad Hand is hit for agency. Um, there's a couple more guys that you could trade for, try to sign. Like, I don't know. I, I, they know they have to strengthen their their bullpen a little bit. I would I would say one lefty arm would really do the trick, especially if they re-sign Casey Sadler, which they should do. But we'll see what happens with that cuz they need another lefty man out there. They just they just do. Uh the next item on the wish list is corner outfield. And I think the number one priority for the Mariners and corner outfield should be Brandon Nimmo. I think a lot of people have us predicted to sign Brandon Nimmo. I think he's a very good player. Uh, I think he would fit the team really well, and I think he'd be a very solid signing. It, it it just makes a lot of sense, the signing. I think that's why a lot of people have predicted that. Um, but they got to go out and do it. So let's do that. That's the number one guy. I have no one else on the list. There are other guys available, but as of right now, Brandon Nimmo. Okay, Brandon Nimmo. 
Uh, and then number four on the wish list is a, uh, another starter, back-end starter. I had Tyler Anderson written down on here. He just signed. So, no. Uh, I, I think rolling with Marco or Flexen is fine. If they sort out middle infield and the bullpen and the outfield and the, all the, th- the three things I just said, if they sort out those, I'm fine with them not getting another starter. There's always a starter at the deadline that can be moved. Um, I think the four starters right now is a top 10 rotation to start next year. Like Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Robbie Ray. And I think Flex and Marco, or even a bullpen game, is fine at the five as of right now. It shouldn't be their top priority. Uh, it should be something they look to address with free agency because you can get a starter who, like Tywan Walker. I had Tywan Walker written down. That would be really fun if they reached on Tywan Walker. Like Nate Ivaldi, they could, they could go after. Noah Syndergaard had, I mean, those are both guys who struggle with injury, but... I hope Jerry just says fuck it and signs Carlos Rodon and we just have a dynamite rotation. Like, that'd be hype. James Paxton is available. Like, Sean Manaya, Chris Bassett, Andrew Heaney, Corey Kluber. Like, there's a lot of pitchers. So I think they will end up signing one. Uh, Wade Miley had a decent year last year, which is fun. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, Jameson Tyone, Mike Clevenger, Zach Eflin. Uh, oh, yeah, Matty Boyd's a free agent now. I do think they should resign Matt Boyd. Um, I wanted Martin Perez, but unfortunately, he's accepted the qualifying offer. What I think they'll do is Talon Walker, and I would be in full support of Talon Walker being our fifth starter. <laughs> but we'll see what happens with that. I'm fine rolling with Flexen or Marco. I know they didn't. I know fans hate Marco, but he's as a number five starter, he's fine. He ate so many innings last year, it's almost worth it. Just bring him back. And he's got that bulldog in him. Go Zags. All right. Well, let's just get into it. Let's get into the top 50 free agents. Let's see what Fangraphs has to say. Who the top 50 free agents are this season. Uh, it looks like number one... Is oh, hold on. That was the 2022 list. I was like, how do they have Marcus Simeon up there? Uh, okay, okay. I'm not gonna edit that out because I don't want to. The number one free agent they have this season. Oh, get out of here. It's Aaron Judge. Lame. Do they even know Mike Ford's a free agent this year? Aaron Judge. He's 31. That's old. Uh, no. Aaron Judge obviously the best guy available. I think it's the Yankees or the Giants at this point who re-signs them. Um, it looks like the average crowdsource annual value they think he'll get is around $37.2 million a year, and I think that is fair. Uh, I think he'll get 35 at least, and probably 300 total. Um, it's interesting with Aaron Judge because he's 31. Like, he's he's old. He's older than Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, I'm pretty sure, because uh, he came up to the majors when he was late 20s, um, which is somewhat normal for, for baseball guys. It's just weird to think about because he's just now hitting free agency uh, for the first time. Uh, I don't. The Mariners aren't going to sign him. 
Like, if they do, that'd be crazy, but I seriously doubt it. Uh, and I think that's fair to have him at number one. Who's number two? Oh, actually, before number two, um, I believe it's Ben Lindbergh, great writer, uh, who has a take. Aaron Judge has put up the best season of the 21st century non-Barry Bonds division, which, yeah, he did. So, very, very, very good to note. Uh, number two, they have Trey Turner, which is fair. They have him at around 30 to $32 million a year, um, almost 300 total. But who knows? I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling this year might be the year those crazy 10-year whatever deals stop happening and stuff starts looking more like Julio's or just shorter term with options. Um, less Tatis, Harper like deals that's just fully guaranteed for that many amount of times. But who knows? I don't I don't know what's moving and shaking in baseball uh front offices right now. I'm not Scott Boris. Um but Trey Turner will fetch a lot of money. And he's a very, very good player. Uh number three they have Carlos Correa. Around the same money. Uh around the same total. Um and it's He's in his age 28 season, and Turner's 30, which is something to think about, but that's both in their prime, and Correa has struggled more with injury recently. Uh, Trey Turner and Carlos Correa, uh, I don't know. It's a good consolation prize if you get Carlos Correa. Number four, they have Jacob DeGrom. Holy this contract estimate, they have him at uh, Ben Clemens, the writer, has $47 million average annual value, which <laughs> underpaid, underpaid, generational starter when he starts. That's the problem with this Jacob deGrom fella is he hasn't thrown a full season in quite some time. I think anything over like 120 innings is an absolute win for whoever signs him. Um, but he's 35, so I'm thinking, and Fangrass is also thinking it'll be a three-year deal, something like that. I would, if I'm the Mariners too, feel like, fuck it. Three years, 150 guaranteed. Screw it, you know? What's three years of 150 million? We could do the the Bobby Bonilla deal. We can pay him through, you know, 60 years old. Uh, that'd be fun. But DeGrom, definitely the best starter on here. Uh, they have Justin Verlander following him at number five. They have him at forty million or thirty-five million in that range for average annual value, with like a two-year deal. He is forty years old, so you know, who knows? He could totally just retire. But the way he's throwing, like if he's gonna keep pitching this well, why not keep going? You know, why not keep going? And I think there was talk today that him to the Dodgers has been picking up steam, which would make everyone very mad. <laughs> they have numbers. All right, moving on to number six, Xander Bogarts. They're expecting six to seven years of around 30 million average annual value. That's very fair. Very fair. Now, because I talked up Bogarts so much, and I think the Mariners should go for him, I am going to read some of this Fangraph stuff. His bat is unquestionably excellent. He's a great example of having no weakness. can be a strength in and of itself. He really doesn't have a weakness. It's crazy. He doesn't chase too much. 
or miss too much when he does swing. And he hits fastballs, breaking balls, and changeups with equal aplomb. Put it all together, and you get a bat that's been 30% better than average, more or less, in the past five seasons. He really has been underratedly one of the best guys. Um, opinions vary on whether Bogarts can, in fact, play shortstop. He's a bat first guy, and a move to third base is likely forthcoming, but he doesn't have a huge throwing arm, so he might be below average there. So maybe second base is perfect, and maybe a team in the Pacific Northwest has an opening at second base. Um, it's almost it's almost perfect, you guys. It's almost perfect. All right? Sign him, Jerry. Sign him. Number seven, they have Carlos Rodon. I love Carlos Rodon. I hated that he signed with the Giants. That team was so fucking boring last year. He was the only guy worth watching on that whole team. Uh, and he's great. I think the manager should try to sign him. I wanted them to sign him over Robbie Ray last year, uh, and I was uh, I was I was too upset that they didn't because I really wanted Rodon because uh, he's awesome. I mean, he's a great pitcher. It's just hilarious describing how he pitches. He's just like I throw my fastball as hard as I can. I don't know where it's going. It's like yeah, that's respect. That's a Randy Johnson type B right there. Uh, Mariners should try to sign him. I don't think they will, but they should try. I think it's. I I don't know if I don't know if the Giants will try to resign him. I think they probably will try. I just don't think he's gonna choose to resign there, to be honest. Uh, but let's move on. Number eight, they have Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson, great year last year. Uh, I. In my blog post about my shortstop tier list, I had Dansby at A tier, and the only guy in A tier, and the other three shortstops in S tier, um, and I think he had an S tier season last year, to be honest. Um, One of the best defensive shortstops in the league last year, and he's been a good defender there, so I have no doubt. Uh, that his defense will continue to be really good. And that's very, very valuable to have at a shortstop position. I just am not buying the offense last year. Uh, It was his best offensive season by a long shot in his career. And if that's the production he's going to have the rest of his prime, like he's 29 for another four years, like that is crazy how good he could be I just don't I just don't I'm not buying it I'm not buying it I think he's a good offensive player I think he's an above average offensive player and I think he will continue to be an above average offensive player I don't see that type of production happening again that being said I wouldn't be mad if the Mariners signed him and he's a really really good player uh I think he goes back to the Braves um Fangraphs is predicting around $24 million average annual value over six years. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a good player. I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying the offense, man. Number nine, they got Brandon Nemo, future Mariner. Brandon Nemo, they have him at around $22 million average annual value. Five years, that's about what I expected. Um, my knee-jerk reaction to him hitting the market was the Mariners should throw like $120 million over five or six years at him. So... That seems about right. Uh, I think he's a good player. Very, very solid, solid guy. The only issue um, is in his career has been availability. Like he's been hurt. 
Uh, let's see if they include it in here somewhere. I'm sure they do. Fangraphs writers know more about these players than I do. Um, his performance merits a contract that at least approaches nine figures, but teams can't ignore the fact that 2022 is only the second time he played at least 100 games in the majors. So, I mean, he played like almost the full 2020 season, but that was like 60 games or whatever. Um, but he played 151 this year with a little wrist injury. Um, and he didn't, it didn't show that his, like his production didn't show that his wrist injury really impeded him from being the player that he's been when he's played. So, um, maybe it's encouraging, but I mean, as he ages, he's not going to get healthier. So that's always one to, to watch out for. But I mean, I think he's the best outfielder, not named judge in this class of free agents. And, uh, the Mariners would be stupid to not throw more money at him. Now, number 11 on this list. Who is this? Who, uh, Clayton Kershaw says he's 35 A's old. Who is, I don't care about him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see him leaving the Dodgers, man. I mean, I think he'll just resign for good money for like one or two years. Why would he leave at this point? Age 35. Unless he really is like ring chasing and wants to get out of being managed by Dave Roberts. Then I don't know. I just I think he could certainly play for another five years. Like he played till he's forty. Um, I just don't know why he'd want to leave the Dodgers. I think he'll just return. Uh, moving on to the number twelfth player on this list. I'm just gonna do the top fifteen. I'm just realizing I do not have time to do all fifty right now. But I will look into that later. Number twelve is an A tier first baseman, according to me. Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu, uh, they're expecting uh, 16 to 18 million, it looks like, over two to three years, um, he still mashes, you can still absolutely mash the shit out of the baseball, and that's very useful, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think he's a DH first base, at this point, who can still hit a lot of home runs and provide a lot of value and take walks and just be a professional hitter and a veteran guy who's been doing this for a long, long time. So uh, that would be cool if the Mariners tried to sign him too. Imagine they're just like, yeah, Carlos Santana was good, but Jose Abreu's better for that first base DH guy. Maybe, maybe, uh, eh, I don't know. I don't know if they'll go after him. I don't, I don't think they're going to prioritize the DH spot as much as I think, especially because Ty French just looks like the everyday first baseman. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Jose Abreu. I really like watching Jose Abreu. He hits tanks, so that would be fun. That would be fun to see where he goes. And his age 36 season, I still think he has lots to give. Uh, number 13, I'm going to skip. It's Rizzo. Talked about Rizzo. He just signed. So I'm back to the Yankees. So Chris Bassett, number 14. Um, Chris Bassett. Mariners fans, quite familiar with Chris Bassett these past few years. He pitched on the A's. Uh, I haven't looked up if this is true, but I feel like he pitches really well against the Mariners. You know, it'd be cool if he was on the Mariners, so he couldn't pitch well against the Mariners. Ever think about that? Huh? Huh? No, Chris Bassett's a good player. Um, I think the Mets should really try to re-sign him. Um... 
but he's always kind of been one of those guys, very talented, very injury prone. So you're taking a little bit of a risk, and he's he's getting older, but I can see him being a solid starter next year somewhere, like a contender. Like if he was our fifth starter, that'd be fantastic. I think he has the, um, I think he has the skill to be a contender's, you know, four, three, even. But we'll see. We'll see. Number fifteen, another starter, Nate Eovaldi. Um, and yeah, similar to Chris Bassett. Oh, Pangrass says that in some ways. Quote: Eovaldi is just like Bassett. They're nearly equal in WAR over the last three years. Wow, I would not have guessed they're equal in WAR, but I don't know. They're Injury-prone guys who have a lot of skill. Um, and Nate Ivaldi, like Chris Bassett, getting older. They're both 34. Ivaldi's uh, 33. But still good pitchers. Um, guys who will get around $15 million in val- average annual value. Probably a shorter-term contract because they're older. But good starting pitchers. Um, last guy I'm going to do, oh, it's Tyler Anderson. Okay, I won't finish with Tyler Anderson. He just signed with the Angels. Oh, Andrew Benintendi is uh, is their number 17 guy on this list. Huh? Interesting. Interesting. They're predicting around $14 million, uh, over four years for Andrew Benintendi. I mean, I would like the Mariners to try to sign... Andrew Benintendi as well. I mean, he'd be a a fine corner outfielder. I think he's average, which is fine. I think he's slightly above average offensively uh, because he has expressed that he can get on base at a slightly above average clip Um, and has a little bit of pop. Defensively, I don't think his defense is great, but also it's corner outfield, so he'll, he'll probably be serviceable and an upgrade in left or right. Probably an upgrade in left for us comparing him to uh, a certain man who played left field for us last year, who I will not name, who likes pizza. But <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't hate the man trying to go after him. Oh, I just saw the next player. I'm going to finish with him. Kodai Senga, which if you haven't, heard his name the past few weeks. He's been a hot commodity. He's 30. He's a starting pitcher. They're thinking he's going to get around $15 million average over four years, and he is just looks like a very solid, very solid pitcher from Japan. Um, let's just read what Ben has to say about him. Uh, he boasts four pitches, including a wipeout splitter and a fastball that touches upper 90s. I went the other day and watched him throw his splitter and Boy, is it. Oh, it's good. Man, they know how to throw splitters over there in Japan. Oh, it's just a beautiful pitch. He's also capable of taking a little bit off of his slider and giving it curveball shape to steal strikes. Uh, while his raw stuff is impressive, there are also reasons for concern. His two-plane fastball is an overpower hitters up in the zone. Um, his feel for breaking pitches comes and goes. Uh, Eric Longenhagen noted uh, there's some Evaldi in him. Stuff can be overpowering one day and reliever-ish the next day. But he looks like a solid starter, and um, I think probably the Mariners will attempt to sign this man, and I think it'd be a fantastic signing. Fantastic signing. Throw throw 50 million four years his way. 60 million four years his way. Um, I think it'd be a worthy investment. 
worthy investment. Uh, he's added four miles an hour to his fastball since debuting in the NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan. And it's not a gradual increase. Apparently, it all happened at once in 2019. That's, oh my God, that's crazy. He sits at 96 and it will touch 102, apparently. Then <clears throat> he tips. He typically tops out of 99. So, uh, premium velocity, especially in Japan, man, that is really hard throwing in Japan. So I can see why he dominates over there. Um, he just seems like he's steadily been getting better as a starter over there, and it's time for him to come to the MLB, baby. It's time for him to come over here, and uh, a lot of teams will be in on him for sure. So that would be really awesome if the Mariners signed him. Um, we have a track record, you know, with Japanese players coming here. And if they're not going to get off their ass and trade for Shohei Otani, let's sign Kode Senga. Uh, and that is where I'm going to stop here. I'm going to conclude this episode. And I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, I keep an eye out on my Twitter uh, or blog for more blog posts and uh, some fun stuff I have going on on the blog keep an eye out for more podcasts i will continue the is the stove hot series throughout the entire off season uh as things develop as the stove gets progressively colder progressively hotter i'll be there i'll be watching uh, and i hope you'll be listening so thank you all for listening be sure to rate and review wherever you're listening uh recommend us to your friends i say us as if it's not just me doing this but recommend me to your friends um if you enjoyed please feel free to reach out and uh, critique me even do it i'm not scared i'm not scared my email is in the in the in the link to my podcast and my twitter is up there slide into the dms critique me but especially thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, and you have a good rest of your day. And I hope that your team signs good players this offseason. But specifically, I hope the Mariners sign the best ones. So I'll sign off with that. Thank you for listening. And go Mariners. <laughs>